Hey, real quick. So I know on the Shaleen Show, we talk about life stuff, but I'm always encouraging you to have your own thing, to build that side hustle, to figure out ways you can make extra money online. And maybe you felt like, I just don't know how to do this by myself. I want the motivation and excitement of having people around me that I can bounce ideas off of. I want that motivation of being at a live event. Well, you're in luck. October 14th through the 16th, I want to invite you to come to Southern California and be a part of the Marketing Impact Academy live event. You don't have to be an MIA member. This is open to the public. You don't have to have any experience in business, but you do have to have a desire and you need to be a good note taker because we're going to spell it all out for you. I'm going to have the best experts at every area of social media that you can imagine. And every speaker comes with, I mean, they don't come on my stage unless they come with an action plan that they're going to give the audience so that when you leave, you're not like, okay, super motivated, but I don't know what to do. So if that's something you've been dreaming about doing and just coming to Southern California and being around that energy, meeting me live in person, my son and the other experts that I know you have heard if you listen to the Shaleen show, the people who we work with, people just like you who you know, have been listening to these shows for so many years and eventually they took the plunge, they started their business and now they're gonna share with you how they did it. Give yourself permission. Give yourself permission to dream. Give yourself permission to do something different know it's been on your bucket list to come to Southern California. I cannot wait to see you there. The link is in the show notes, but you can also go to shaleen.com forward slash MIA live 247. Shaleen.com forward slash MIA live 247. And if you want to be invited to the incredible dance party that we're throwing on Saturday night just for our VIPs, be sure to look at the VIP registration package. It is next level. Did I say the dates? Okay, October 14th through the 16th, Southern California, Orange County. We're right down the street from Disneyland. You can make a whole family vacation of it, or you can just get away and enjoy yourself and treat yourself to something fun and exciting that has the potential to change your life. Hey, thanks so much for joining me today. We are going to have a really important conversation. This is a conversation that you need to hear if you have kids, if you have minors in your household, you need to hear this because even three-year-olds are, they know more about using an iPhone than your sister does. Like it, it is crazy how advanced our kids are when it comes to technology. And there are certain safe guards and protections that you have got to have in place. These are so important because it's about the safety, safety of your kid, not just like, you know, someone coming to their house and, and kidnapping your kid. We're talking about them being exposed to predators, them seeing things they should not see, them being targeted by online creeps who know how to use children's apps, who know how to trick kids into thinking that they're talking to somebody their same age who's in their classroom. Like, it's kind of scary. And this episode is not meant to scare you. It's meant to educate you. So even if you have parental controls in place, there's so much more that you need to understand about the safety of your family when it comes to being online. Routers, smartphones, GPS watches, all of it. We discuss all of it today with my guest. Who you, you are going to freaking love this girl. So Farida Shahid, she's a former IT expert who then went to school and literally studied 
cybersecurity. And she's one of the leading experts in family cybersecurity. Farida has been featured in the Forbes 30 Under 30 as an honoree. She specializes in helping parents talk to their kids and create these open conversations and dialogues around this stuff, as opposed to like snooping and spying. And and if you need to do that, we're going to talk about how to do that too. But her work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, on Fox, Yahoo, NBC, and more. You're going to love her approach. And I think you're going to learn a lot. This is a really important episode. So let's do it. Hey. All right. Farida, thank you so much for being here. This is really a long overdue podcast. It's one I probably should have done when my kids were in high school because now they're adults. But I think there are so many things that we just don't know and we need to know. And I think probably most people who have kids whether they're three or 13 or 17, there's a part of us that knows things are so sketchy and so dangerous. And there's a part of us that feels like, but what can I do? Like, this is where we are. It's unavoidable. Their friends have devices. We have devices. This is just the world that we live in today. So I'm really excited to have you here and to go through this series of questions. But the first question that I have is, how in the world did you find yourself a cybersecurity expert? Well, I mean, <laughs> first, thanks for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so happy to be here. And it was my major in college. And then I got an internship in it, got a full-time job, started working in cybersecurity awareness and threat intelligence, at, wow. fell in love with cybersecurity, knew that that was going to be the thing that I was going to do for the rest of my life. So that's how I, I came into this. Are there many women in this industry? No, there actually are not, especially not Black women. Well, that's fun. <laughs> Yes, like what? A what a groundbreaker! Yes, yes, I get to say I'm like a black Muslim woman in cybersecurity, which is like super rare. I think I only know five other people that that Give fit that beer. I love. <laughs> I love. I think it's so badass. Thank you. And I, and I think what you're doing is I've watched lots of your lives. In fact, it was like one of your lives. Where I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> I feel like I know a little something about cybersecurity only because through necessity, through getting hacked. And learning the hard way that I, this is a battle you cannot win. I mean, you can win, but you're better off safeguarding yourself that I I need to bring the expert on to help my community. So thank you so much for being here today. I asked them to submit their their questions and they're in in no particular order, but I, I feel like that's probably the best way for us to go about this if you're okay with that i love that i love go with the flow okay <laughs> awesome <laughs> you're easy so yes. one of the first questions that people ask is okay what age should i give my kid a phone it really depends i mean are they mature enough are they responsible are they going to lose the phone do you have like the mental bandwidth to take care of their phone and to talk about internet safety? And so it's going to depend on the age of the kid. Typically, I see nine is like the youngest mm. and around 13 is when it's like, okay, I really want to get my kid a phone. But it really depends on the maturity and responsibility. So that's something that you have to decide. Am I ready for it? Are they ready for it? Because it's a long-term game. It's not something so simple. Are we doing our kid a disservice if their mom I'm the only one. All of my friends have phones and I don't. Like, I'm such a loser. Are we really like, you know, are they going to be in therapy for this later? <laughs> Is that doing them a disservice or are we actually doing them a favor? I don't think it's either. Mm. I really don't. I really Tell believe me. that internet safety is very complex and nuanced. And so, it like a, a lot of answers can be, it depends. However, 
I, I think they'll get over it. If you have decided as a family that, look, I don't believe the greater good, the net positive is that they have a phone and they're just not going to have a phone or we're going to figure out a way around it. Maybe your compromise is a flip phone and they flip out because they want a smartphone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But like it's it really depends. And they most likely won't be in therapy because of that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they might feel like they will be, but right. they won't be. They'll be fine. They'll actually most kids end up growing up. And it's not a statistic. This is just me and my observation they end up growing up and saying you know what actually i'm really happy that i didn't have it i was begging for it for x amount of years or they would say it was it felt lonely i felt like i was an outsider but Mm. at this end of the day i felt like in the general was actually better that i didn't have it and now i have the better skills to be online and communicate with my friends and because of that so it depends in real life i mean I, i find that these again just observational the parents who i know who gave in and gave their kids just all, not even just a phone, but like they live, it's that kid that has an iPad in their hand at all times or a laptop. They have to be on a digital device. They're not all, but rarely are they good at communicating, not great at eye contact, a little more uncomfortable in social settings. And so to me, it seems like that sometimes that loneliness happens when our kids are online. If you look statistically at suicide rates and reports of feeling anxiety and loneliness, they correspond with the number of the digital devices that teens and preteens have. So, you know, I think that's something to consider. But I mean, as a parent, you're just like, I don't want my kid to be ostracized, number one. Number two, I always remember thinking, you know, if I know where my kid is from a GPS standpoint, like when they're in high school, that's one of the reasons why I loved having uh, them all have iPhones and just that instant communication. Like there's a safety side of it. But is there a way to know where a kid is, for example, or and to text with them without giving them access to the internet? So for example, like these, you know, watches and GPS gadgets that we see people wearing where you can text. And I think you can even call, but there's no internet connection. I would be careful with those. Very, very Tell careful. Us. <laughs> I mean, there are like a plethora of studies about how terrible most of those GPS watches are. They don't have good security and safety. Let's just put it that way. And you see my eyes bugging out of my yeah, head. Like I'm, I'm already in shock. <laughs> scare us. Tell me all the things. Uh, I don't want to scare, but I was to let you know that it's it's not like a predators and hackers can easily get into GPS watches, especially kids one, and track kids' movements, intercept their calls, record what they're saying to their friends, record them on the camera. I mean, whatever function that you can see, a predator can see as well, if the company doesn't have good security. I would venture to say that majority of the GPS watches out there are not safe, Mm. and I would never, ever, ever recommend using them. And there are companies that are reputable. So maybe there's like a Verizon one or there's an Apple one or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Samsung, like there, there are ones that, okay, you can, you can get away with using them because they're by a company that prides themselves in security and safety and privacy. But a lot of these companies are just looking for a quick buck. And they know that if I scare parents enough and I use like fear marketing or scare tactics, they're going to buy what I have to sell. And they're not going to know that security and safety of the device actually matters. Wow. So if I'm not giving my kid a GPS, because I think a lot of parents are like, I'm the smart one. I'm the one who's like really set up these boundaries and I'm not going to give in, give my kid a phone. They've got this GPS watch, but I also want to know where they are. And I also want them to be able to reach me in the state of an emergency as the expert who knows the pros and cons. What would you give your child? A flip phone, (laughs) 
<laughs> or a smartphone with some controls. Okay. It, and smartphone as they get a little bit older. So once they're mature, I would go to a smartphone or I would get like a flip phone or I'd get an Apple watch, to be honest. I would just because <laughs> you don't have to have your child doesn't have to have a phone in order for you to use like an Apple watch. You need to have a phone, but they don't have to have a phone. So okay. you can have all the controls that you want. I mean, of course, it's very expensive. So if you're looking at costs, it's not like the best thing in the world. Yeah. But if you're willing to invest upwards of like $500 and keep it for a couple of years, it's worth it. Well, I mean, you can't buy an iPhone for $500. No, you can't. So look, it's a di- <laughs> still. Okay, can, I, and I don't know because I don't wear an Apple Watch. I never have. Can you go on the internet? Like, can I see websites from a smart or from a, a you, an Apple Watch? Yeah, you can. I mean, you can take that away if you didn't want to. So you only can give kids access to what they want. But yeah, they so can. Then why would a, why would a watch be better than a phone? You have more control. And they're not able, yeah, they're just not able to do most of the things that they're able to do. So you can go on the internet. So you can use certain things on the internet, but you can't do like browsing. You can't go on YouTube. You can't play games. You can't play Roblox. So they're not going to be distracted by that. But there is internet connection, but you're not going to be able to do the same things you are with the phone. Fantastic. You said the name of the game that so many parents (laughs) ask me about. Uh, uh, This must be the game that all the kids are obsessed with because so many parents are, were asking what about Roblox? Is Roblox safe? What do I need to know about Roblox? What about the chats? Like, so what can you tell us? Roblox is only as safe as you make it. Roblox. Okay. I would let's just I'll back up because we always talk about Roblox. But we don't think about all the games in general. Okay. Anytime we're talking about an online game, meaning it's a game, it has an online component. You can talk to other people. There's voice chat. There's in-game chats. All of that. There's always going to be an aspect of not safe things that are going on in the game because it's okay. it's the online world. So if you have younger kids and you believe that, hey, I don't believe the controls in Roblox is enough, or I don't have the bandwidth or the capacity or the time to set up the controls or to keep checking on things, then having an offline game is better. Maybe having like a Nintendo Switch that's only offline games or things like that. Okay. So Roblox is just a one of the bigger games that is a a mirror to all the other games that are online games. So I would say it's as safe as you make it to be. There are many safety controls for Roblox that parents can use, a plethora of them. There are pins that you can use if you're worried about your kids changing your Roblox controls. You can have a pin number that's only you know. Now, please don't make it their birthday or something because they're going to know like, oh, yeah. Yeah. But if, if as long as it's that easy to guess, you're good to go. But if you're not, if you're still not convinced and you're like, no, I don't, I don't like it, then you can do an offline game. What about when you're about to start a Zoom? You've got a podcast that needs to come out tomorrow and you're stressed and your kid knows like, oh, this is the prime opportunity to run up to mom and say, mom, 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 can I download this game? And you haven't had a chance to take a look at it. How would you respond? What, what do parents need to know before they allow their kids to just download games and apps? The answer is no until you do more research, because Mm. if you don't know what the game entails, you're going to get into problems that we see like news stories about, oh, somebody contacted a kid on Roblox and the parent didn't know how Roblox works. And so they feel guilty, which they should not feel guilty. A parent, you should not feel guilty if something Mm. happens to your kid online. However, it's yeah, it's really it's really, really, really important to do as much as possible, as much as you can, but it is never your fault. And therapy is really, really important, whether or not something happens. So I would actually, for internet safety, I would definitely, definitely prioritize therapy as like the number one thing to do. Explain that. You know, so I'm surprised to hear you say that, but also 
happy to hear you say that. Expand on that for me. So I believe that in order to protect your kids online, you have to connect with them as human beings first. And in order to connect with your kid as a human being and create a safe space for them and allow them to be able to talk to you and have awesome, beautiful, open, non-judgmental conversations, you have to be okay with doing that with yourself. You have to have that training with yourself. And your kids are always going to trigger you. So, (laughs) And the online world is very, very triggering. And having that moment of healing your childhood trauma, healing your emotional wounds, that is so, so important to protecting your kids online because you get a rundown of how to do with yourself. And then you're able to do that with your kids as well. Go, you are speaking our the Shalene Show language. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Gosh, everything. I mean, if, if there isn't a theme, it's it is therapy for the show. Like it makes your marriage better, it makes your friendships better. It makes you dealing with your body image. It makes you dealing with social media. It makes you dealing, it makes you a better parent. It make it just we think that we've figured this stuff out because we're doing okay, but man, it just gives you every possible advantage to just go a little further and dig a little deeper and use the help of a wise professional to help you sort through some of these things. And, and I, I just didn't even know this would come up in this conversation, but I'm so happy that it did because I have, I mean, even in my small circle of girlfriends, I've had a couple of them have these like pretty traumatic experiences with their kids where they have been sent images when they were really young that they should not have seen, you know? And like when I was growing up, like not to go back in the days when there were horse and buggy, but I I remember the first pornographic thing I ever saw. And it was on a playground in a, and somebody brought like a playboy to school. You know what I mean? Right. Like, gosh, today, like a kid can open up a children's app and be sent an image that can, you know, and maybe we think like, oh, it's on their phone. So it wasn't scarring, but I'm sure you've got some stories. Yes, definitely. We see this a lot with like gaming as well. So Mm -hmm. people would reach out and they would like have a connection. They would talk back and forth and they would say, oh, send a picture of yourself or they would send a picture of themselves. And it's not really a picture of themselves. They probably got it from Google or something. And then an innocent photo. An innocent photo sometimes. And then sometimes they would go back and forth and start flirting and then send an actual photo that is actually inappropriate. And then the child feels inclined because they feel like, oh, I made a friend or we're having a really good connection and they would send a photo as well. And those that same photo would be used to extort them to say, hey, if you don't send me $10 or $20 or $50, I'm going to send it to all your contacts and send it to your mom and your dad and your teacher, your aunts and uncles and your friends. And this has happened to students before so much so it was so bad. The FBI had to put out an alert to like alert parents that this is a huge deal. And if you have kids on social media or especially gaming sites is really important. And yeah, I've definitely seen that or a variation of that happen many times. And I assume that just because of the way these creeps operate, that they also use those images to distribute as child pornography. Yes. Or to collect it even. Yes. It's disgusting. What can a parent do? What should they be doing? So right now there's somebody listening who allows their kid to play on their iPad. They don't have a phone or their their laptop or they they hand them mom and dad's phone from time to time, give them whatever a, a set amount of minutes to play on it. They've downloaded some apps. What do the parents need to look at in each one of those apps? Or is there one overriding app or security program that we can install that like safeguards everything? 
depending on your device. So mm-hmm. if you're, we're talking about an iPad or some, a tablet or something, mm-hmm. then there are ways that you can have every single app that they want to download go through you so they can't just download anything okay and that's a setting that you can have you can also is that a setting can you share what setting or where we find that setting you can gosh i can't remember where you find that setting. or is this a, is there a place where you can direct us, yes like maybe yeah. the website if you go to if you search apple family like family sharing apple okay. family sharing yes. and you should find all of it under there so always they say like screen time contacts, what they can actually download, in-app purchases, those type of things. And now- I put you on the spot here. So we'll, we'll get those links by the time this <laughs> yeah. publishes and we will put them in the show notes. Yes. So y'all don't worry, just scroll up. You'll see those links there. We got exactly. you. And actually Apple's coming out with a new thing since it's so difficult to figure out, okay, where, where are all of the settings? They're coming out with a new feature where when you're setting up a new device for your kids, they yes. have all of that come up and you can just quickly- say yes, no, yes, no, yes, no to everything instead of having to like search everywhere to find things. Okay, good. So these the gaming apps, what about with chatting? And it should, should we allow our kids to use apps where they're chatting? And when I say kids, like, listen, there's 16-year-olds, those are kids, and they're nine-year-olds, and they don't have the same, maybe they do, <laughs> but they, they don't have the same discernment, you know, they just don't have the same maturity. So what can you tell us about chats chats are reserved for kids that are like about to go to college you mm. are okay with them going on the mall by themselves i don't know if anyone really can go to the mall anymore but <laughs> <laughs> but if you're okay with them like going out by by themselves their driving age they can go and meet their friends somewhere then that means that they're okay to have a chat typically okay. speaking obviously every child is different but if they're yeah. not at the age where you can leave them alone or they can go someplace without adult supervision then most likely that's not the age they can roam on the internet without adult supervision so that's how i would approach it and you know if they're mature enough to navigate situations that's why it's so important to have like an open communication non-judgmental communications because if something happens, they should know if I go to my caretaker, my guardian, my parent, then I know that I can have a safe conversation. I won't have my game taken away or my phone taken away, or I'm going to be punished for telling you something or whatever it is. That's really important. You just said that, you know, have a calm, non-judgmental conversation, because if we react in such a way that it scares them and they feel like they're in trouble, they're not going to come to us when something does go awry. They're not going to tell us if something has happened that shouldn't have happened. They're not going to share those things with us. And I think it's really important that we we create this environment where they feel safe to tell us the truth. Exactly. Because if they can't tell you the truth, then that's that's a huge problem, which is why I always talk about therapy. I'm like therapy, healing, inner, inner wounds, all of those things are so important because if you can't have that safe space, then you're, it's much more challenging to protect them online. Okay. So once our, you know, the person's listening now who's like, gosh, I haven't done any of this stuff. I don't even know how to set up parent controls. I haven't looked into their settings. I haven't given them any rules. I didn't even know about any of these things until today. And now I feel like a, uh, a failure as a parent. And is it too late for me to make these changes? How do I make these changes without freaking my kid out, without having them? Is it too late, basically? It's never too late to be safe. And guilt is guilt. We're all going to have guilty moments. But I really, really strongly encouraged to not stay in the guilt. 
mm. and to stay in a space of grace for yourself because everyone is learning. Every single day, something new comes out. I'm always talking about like unsafe parental control apps and parents are like, oh my God, Farida, I've been using Life360 or Studio or whatever for so long. I didn't know these apps didn't have good security. And so they message me and they say, hey, I feel really guilty about it. And my thing is you shouldn't feel guilty. <laughs> it's okay. We live, we learn. Let's talk about that. Let's go there. The parental apps. What do we need to know? Which ones are the best? How do we, even the parental apps have some security bugs. So what are your recommendations? Well, as you know, because I know you've gotten hacked, you had all that entire whole story Uh is that every piece of technology, every piece of application can have a security vulnerability. And we're typically not aware that things like baby monitors or security cameras or parental control apps, things that you use to protect your family, Things that you use to protect your kids can be used against you, similar to what we talked about with the GPS watches. And so a lot of parental control apps, they may be like really, really awesome apps. They may be really safe, but they're not secure. So that means that a predator hacker, if they are using a vulnerability, they can get inside of the app and they can see where your kids are at any given moment. They can see the pictures your kids send, the videos your kids send, what they're doing. And it's really, really, really scary And for me, it's really important that more parents know that there are unsafe apps out there. And so far, I know of 46 apps that are unsafe. It's a long list and it keeps getting bigger every single day. What is it that makes them unsafe? Security vulnerabilities. vulnerabilities. Yeah, that's the quickest way I can. So if the companies are able to get their vulnerabilities together and they're patching it, they're fixing it and they're updating it, then most likely it wouldn't be a problem if they're on it. But a lot of companies, either one, they don't understand security is really important or they don't think it matters or they don't have the funding or the resources to think about security. So their main thing is like, okay, marketing, budget, team, running a business, but they're not thinking about, can we allocate a certain budget for security? So when security researchers reach out to them and say, hey, you have a vulnerability, your app is not great, they don't know how to fix it. And so I'm hoping that they do that, but we're talking about kids here. Wow. What are your top three at the moment? Top three, unsafe one or safe one? Safest. Oh, okay, let's talk about safe ones. <laughs> yeah. In, in that the list is so long of the, those that aren't safe. And, and so I know you're going to give me your top three and the person is listening right now doesn't have one of these three and, the, and they're in their head, they're screaming. What about this one? Bottom line is here's the top three. Anything other than these three we don't know if they're than. safe. And yeah, we, don't, we don't. Yeah, we don't know if they're safe. So the top three consist of ones that are researched, like that we know that they're safe, and they're or they're from companies that have notorious in a good way <laughs> for having good security. Okay, so the top three safe apps are Norton Family, and then we have or they're called Norton Parental Controls. So you're either okay. going to find them on Norton Family or Norton Parental Controls, and then you have Microsoft Family Safety. That's the best one to. If you're uh, looking for alternative to Life360 okay. and then you have Google Family Link and then you have Apple's parental controls. And then the last is any native parental controls within an app. So oh. say if your kid is using Snapchat, TikTok, Roblox, YouTube, whatever, all of those services have their own parental controls inside of the settings and those you can use, those are safe. The problem comes, comes when you're adding a different parental control from a different company. That's when problems arise. What do you mean? Explain that. A different parental control. Like, so I'm adding a Microsoft family to Snapchat. That's a problem? That's a problem if you don't know if the company takes security seriously. And we know that the one I just, like Microsoft is is one of the good ones. Yeah. So we have Microsoft, Google, Norton, 
they're they're known apple they're known to have good security and safety okay is once i set those parental controls is there a way to in parental controls avoid having messages and photos and videos disappear like on snapchat it depends most of those apps here's the thing with snapchat <laughs> Let's get really cozy. Let's go. <laughs> Most of the apps that say that they can protect your kids on Snapchat are not secure and safe apps. So they're using technology that is invasive. And when you have that, typically they're not secure technology. And that means that a predator can have the same type of access to your kids, which has happened many, many, many times. Actually, there are three apps that have been hacked that people use for Snapchat, MSpy, Teen Safe, and Family Orbit. A lot of, and of course, the Truth Spy as well is another one. And a lot of parents use that to protect their kids on Snapchat. But those three apps I mentioned in the beginning had kids' information publicly available online for predators and hackers to have. So that means all of the information that the app collected from monitoring kids, their photos, their videos, their location, their messages, where they went to school, all of their contact information, their full name, their address, the, all of that is now online for hackers to have and predators to have. And so that's why I'm so against just using any app out there because it's not just about me being against parental controls and against parental monitoring. I'm just for the privacy and security and safety of your kid. And what's the point of using an app that's not safe that a predator can use against your kid? That's not fair to you or your kid. Are there particular apps that you, you would just say, it's just not worth the risk? Any app that has spy on it, in it. So it has any M-spy, MX-spy, Truth Spy, anything that has spy in it that normally 9, 99.9% of the time will tell you where really? their values lie and their oh, morals. Wow, yeah. that's really yeah. telling, isn't it? <laughs> Yes. What, what about social media platforms? Is there a social media platform where you're like, mm, mm, based on what I know, I wouldn't go there? Omegle or Omegle, however people Never want to pronounce it. Never heard of that one. That's a lot of kids have been on it since like the pandemic. And it's basically Spell it like a for me. O-M-E-G-L-E. Believe wow. I'm pronounced. Yeah. I and that's so out like, of it right now. <laughs> I mean, look, everything's popping up every single day. Like there's always something, but it's a video chatting and voice app. So you know exactly why that's going to go wrong. It's going to look really quickly. What about Discord? Discord is as safe as you make it. Discord is better when you're 13 plus though. I mm -hmm. have seen like kids 8, 9, 10 on Discord. If you have a monitored Discord where you have someone there who's like a chaperone, something in the room, that's I've seen servers like that for kids work really well or teachers mm -hmm. there. That's great. But Discord is really geared towards like teenagers. Mm -hmm. Would you allow your child to use Snapchat and or TikTok? I would lean more towards TikTok than Snapchat, to be honest. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and again, with the proper parental controls in place, right? Yeah, definitely. I would not give it to them at eight years old. That's for sure. I would, it would at least be 13 years old, preferably 16 years old for those two platforms, preferably. And I would, um, you have to think to yourself, are we having open conversations? Can we talk about difficult topics without either one of us getting a hot head? Can we make space for each other with, with love, with kindness, with openness, with non-judgment, even if we don't agree? Can they talk to me when something goes wrong? If those answers are yes, then they're ready for things like TikTok and Snapchat. I want to say a special thanks to our friends at Soul CBD, who I can't thank enough for spending the time to listen to me, to hear my concerns with regard to my own sleep, and just some things I wanted to experiment with. And we are so fortunate to have partnered with them on creation of the ultimate sleep gummy. 
And there's lots of sleep gummies out on the market. There's lots of CBD gummies out on the market. This is so different and frankly, so much more effective than anything else that I'm aware of on the market because of the quality of the ingredients and the combination of the ingredients. So this sleepy gummy combines, are you ready for this? Melatonin, CBD, tea extracts, and cannabinol. Take a look at some of the research on cannabinol and you are going to understand why this particular gummy formulation is so crazy effective. Not to mention, of course, the fact that it's triple lab tested so you don't have to worry about staying sober. It has zero THC. You could give it to your children. You cannot overdose on CBD. It is something that helps to improve and calibrate your central nervous system. That's the CBD part. The cannabinol, which is taken from the cannabis plant, has been found to help people feel drowsy and to stay asleep longer. Again, no THC. You won't wake up feeling groggy. You won't wake up feeling any different other than the fact that you will have gotten a great night's sleep. Now, let me talk about melatonin for a second. Some people do great on melatonin. Some people need a small amount. Some need more. Some people need less. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. So when you get your gummies, and by the way, I do apologize to my friends in Canada because we are not shipping there yet, but when you do get your gummies, give it some time, experiment. Try a half a gummy for the first couple of nights, see how you feel. Maybe you need a little bit more. Try a whole gummy for a couple of nights, see how you feel. See how you feel after two gummies. It's so different for every person, I have to tell you that. And again, these are all natural ingredients, which is not to say it's 100% cure for everybody, but I can tell you based on the DMs that I get. And that matters a lot to me. Like if people weren't getting insane results, if it were just me that were getting these insane results, I wouldn't be raving about them the way that I have. So I want you to give them a try, especially if sleep has been a struggle for you because it truly is the cornerstone of good health. You get to try them now and get 15% off when you go to mysoulcbd.com forward slash Shaleen. Again, it is 15% off when you check out. And that gives you 15% off all of their products, but just make sure you grab those sleepy gummies. Oh, two flavors. There's blueberry, lemon, and there's honey chamomile. I personally love the honey chamomile. It has chamomile tea extract and honey. It's softer, but it tastes like chamomile tea with honey. Like it tastes just like that. So if you don't like chamomile tea, which Brett doesn't, then you won't like it. If you like blueberry lemon, you'll love the blueberry lemon. They have a little different texture because they have slightly different ingredients. All 100% organic. You check them out by going to mysoulcbd.com forward slash Shaleen. When my kids were given iPhones, we use a password protection app and all of their passwords, et cetera, had to come through me. So I could log in at any time in addition to safety controls And then, of course, they were on my iCloud, so I could see their iCloud activity. I could see text messaging, et cetera. They're just finding this out now on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) They just thought I was all-knowing. They thought I was very intuitive, (laughs) oddly intuitive. But is there a protocol, a methodology that parents should follow? Like when my child downloads an app or they download a game that they want to play or they want to join a social media platform, is there a protocol that you recommend parents follow? Yes. Are you ready for it? Or I'm are ready, they girl. ready for it? Like, no, meaning that's the question. Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So meaning, do you have the space and time to secure the app? Because you have to go into security, privacy, and safety. Okay. So you have to secure the app. You have to make sure that you have the privacy settings on, just like you said, security. So you want to have 
an app like you talked about in one of your episodes, Don't Get Hacked, right. is that you have a password manager like LastPass, 1Password, Keeper, Dashlane, those type of password managers, and you keep their information, their login information in there. And then as they get older, you can just share the information with them and they get their own account as well. It's really important mm-hmm. for their school. So definitely you have to think, okay, do I have the bandwidth to to set this up with them and then have consistent talks? One thing that's really fun, but also related to internet safety is actually connecting with your kids using the social media platform they love. Mm. So if they have TikTok, then you get on TikTok and share videos with each other. Mm -hmm. If they're on Instagram and they love like a meme page or whatever, and they send it to you or you send them something just so that you're having good interactions online and it's not all bad. So when it comes to talking about protecting your kids from predators or talking about who you should be talking to or should not be talking to, what you should be doing, it's easier to have that type of conversation because you've already had a foundation of trust and connection and they know that you're not the fun police and Hmm. they know that, hey, this is my parent and they just want to protect me. Yeah. Well, you know, how do I avoid them? Because they're so much better on computers with technology than we ever will be. You know, you have a two-year-old that can like show you how to program your phone. How do we avoid having them set up fake accounts or set up like they're like, here, mom, here's my, we used to call them Finstas when my kids were in high school, which is a fake Instagram. So the kids had their front facing Instagram, which is the Instagram that they shared the name, username and password with their parents. And then they have what they called a Finsta, which is how they were communicating with their friends. It was a fake Instagram. They set up a a fake Gmail account or whatever. And then they had a a whole nother Instagram account that their parents were unaware of. The only reason why I knew that was going on is because, again, I was snooping on their iPhone messages when I felt, and I know some people are going to be outraged, like, oh my God, you violated your children's privacy. Yeah, I'm the parent. (laughs) And I'm their parent. And so I can do whatever I want. And that was what I felt was in their best interest when I had a sneaking suspicion that something was up. Like I didn't have time to do it daily. But when I was like, something doesn't seem right. That's when I would go into, you know, ninja mom mode and figure out what was going on. And that's how I discovered that some of their friends had Finstas. My kids didn't set up Finstas. But how would you know if your kid had? You don't. If they're really sneaky, you're, I mean, you're not going to know. But one way around it is to do what you did. If you have a sneaking suspicion, if you have a feeling, or sometimes a great way to tell is if they're begging you for an Instagram or they're so upset that you're monitoring their Instagram that all of a sudden they stop telling you or stop talking to you or stop begging you, then you go, hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point because here's how I knew that that Finsta whole thing was happening is because if you have your kids log in and you're going in and they're on the app all the time and then you log in to their account and there's like no activity, there's no direct messages, it's just dead, then they're not using that Instagram. Another thing that I know kids do and parents are not keen to it is they'll say, okay, you need to delete that app off your phone. So they delete it before they walk in the door and then they reinstall it when they walk out the door. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Is there an app that, sh- that actually like allows us to see what they're actually doing on their phones? Yeah, you can see it. You can see within your own device, you can see, oh, this is something that's been downloaded, especially if you're it's connected. You can but see only oh, if you're sharing the same account. Correct? Yeah. If you're not, I mean, if you're giving them a whole other Apple ID, then then you must have dressed them enough to to do their own thing. So yeah, that's what you have to think about. Okay. Are they mature enough? 
are they responsible enough? Am I okay? And then sometimes you have to do periodic check-ins, especially if you feel that something's a little bit off here. I'm not liking this. So the whole iCloud thing, I don't know if we want to walk people through that. And I don't even know if what I did made sense. I just had my kids on my iCloud account so that their phone numbers, I could, you know, it's just like when you when you log into a new device and your desktop tells you a new device has logged in using this phone number and I could see their phone numbers and I could see their text messages on my desktop, not on my phone. And I just did that when they first got their phone. So there was never like a notification, like suddenly my mom is seeing my text messages. So they just didn't even know it was happening. So if I'm a mom right now or a parent, dad, who's listening, who's like, oh, I gave my kid their own iCloud account. I'm going to change that. I want to put them on my account. Is that what you would recommend? Step one. That's going to be a little bit difficult to do because iPhones, when you're trying to change the whole Apple thing, it, they go a little bit crazy. They do. It's messy. Yeah. So I would, if you want to do that, I would talk to Apple support and have them help you out. Okay. I mean, sometimes it doesn't work very well. So yeah. I would say if that is the case, then you're going to have to think about like periodically checking in and having more conversations with them and putting them under your family. If they're under like a certain age, you can put them under your family thing to say, hey, this is my child and they accept it and that whole thing. So you can do things like that. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. And you can also, and instead of just thinking about the device, think about the internet in general. So like think put about prints the what in general. But think about the internet in general. So your okay. house, your router. So putting a principal control on your actual router. So whatever like provider you have, you can have a principal control on that level as well. Would that of be just calling your internet provider and saying, I need parental controls? Yeah, just ask them, how do I enable that? What does it look like? It's going to depend. So I, I can't really walk sure. through, but it depends on what, which one you're using. So I'm sure if you're listening right now, your next step would be to to go to the website of your internet provider because I'm, I'm sure that those... You can find all of that there after hours or whenever it is you're listening to this. And and these things take time. You know, they're an inconvenience. But, and, and I always tell people that, like security, it is an inconvenience every night when I have to remember to go downstairs and lock my front door. That's an inconvenience. But what's a bigger inconvenience is having a stranger at the foot of my bed. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, these things are an inconvenience. It is an inconvenience to have two-factor authentication on every single app, every single device, everything that I have access to, I've got two-factor authentication on it. It is an inconvenience to use a password manager. It is an inconvenience to use fake answers to security questions, but it is a far bigger trouble to have to deal with to have to unravel identity theft, to have to deal with your child being potentially targeted by a predator. So it's just... We all know that we should do them. And I just want to encourage people to take the time to actually do it. And because there's so many things to do, Farida, what would you say, like, step one, at least do this? It's interesting because I don't think anyone's going to really predict my response unless they've been following me for 10,000 years. <laughs> not that I've been alive wow, that long. I'm not a, a vampire. <laughs> I would say that number one, if you can't focus on anything we said today, uh -huh. I would focus on your relationship with yourself and your kids. I would go to therapy. I would heal your inner wounds, your childhood trauma. I would work on connecting better with your kids. I would work on developing safe spaces and open spaces with them. I know that sounds crazy because I'm in cybersecurity, 
And I do believe that more is involved, of course. I mean, I talk about this every single day. Of course, Mm -hmm. you need passwords. Of course, you need to understand this. But if you were to focus on just one tiny thing, which is not very tiny, it it would be that. It would 100% be focused on that and then go, okay, what else can I do? What one little step can I take today to make them more secure online? How dangerous is it to worry more about your kid being upset with you? than to, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you hear this a lot. Like people are like, oh, I don't want to make my kid mad. I don't want to, I don't want to upset them. What do you say to those parents? Feelings are fleeting. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think I know how you're going to answer this. I, I, I don't even want to answer it, but I'm, and I'm actually kind of surprised that people ask it, but so many people want to know how much time should I be giving my child on their phone? At what age should I give them the phone? Like all of these questions to me, I feel like who cares what the world thinks? Like you have to know, are you disconnected? Is your child on a device and they've lost their creativity and they are inactive and they're not playing and they're not experiencing the things that you know they need to be a well-rounded human? Are they interacting? Are they creative? Are they talkative? Do they have an imagination? Do they know how to entertain themselves? Or have they lost themselves in the device and now they're just begging for it and they're becoming addicted to it? I mean, you know, I I don't think that, I assume that you're not going to answer that question. I don't want to answer it because I think that's an individual parent's decision. And I'm not going to tell other people how to parent, but I, I do think it's really important to just like ask yourself, like, does it make sense how much time I'm allowing them to be on their phones exactly. or their device? Exactly. I, I agree. Honestly, I agree. You're, I always tell parents, even though I talk about security and safety, you are the expert in your child. There's nothing that I can say that overrides your feeling, your intuition, and what you know is best for your child. Yes, I can come from a cybersecurity point of view and say this is what it is from cybersecurity point of view. Mm-hmm. And then you have to decide, okay, given that, talk to myself, talk to people who love me, talk to people who love my kids, a counselor, a therapist, and then come up with a solution that works best for you. And you know your child better than anyone else. You know when they have they had enough screen time, regardless of whatever the study said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Regardless of what the study says. You know, and some of, some of these studies are based on like averages. Mm-hmm. And, you know, wh- why are we following national averages if, if we also know it's just so detrimental to our kids? You know, if we set up all these safety controls, right, and, and we're doing our best to safeguard our kids on whatever app we've allowed them to use, is there any way to 100% ensure that they are not going to be exposed to cybersecurity threats, to pornography, or other things that we don't want them to be exposed to? I think we all intuitively know the answer is no. Mm. (laughs) There's just no way. Even if you did not have your kids on social media or the internet or gaming, they still have friends. They still have family. They still have school. Okay. So, yeah. All right. So, all right. So, lots of parents ask this question. What do I do if I have uh, particular practices and rules, if you will, in our family as it pertains to going online, digital devices, et cetera. But I do allow my kids to hang out with other kids who their rules are different in their home or they've got phones at school. What do I do to safeguard them from other people's children? (laughs) This is where I say, that's why I always talk about therapy and like looking internally and figuring out if, and I'm saying this as I, but we're all gonna have to say I for ourselves. Am I trying to control too much? Am I worried about things that I do not have control over? Mm. And if I am, what 
part of what I'm worried about, can I have control over? So what can I control? Mm -hmm. And so if they are going to someone's house and they're very young, you have to drive them or someone that you know has to drive them there. So if you can control, if you know that, okay, this house by far, they have nothing that aligns to my values and morals. Like I cannot deal with this. Then they shouldn't be in the house. <laughs> Amen. And if you know that that family underlined has values and morals that align to you and you know that there's a beautiful great family but they just let their kids can play roblox but your kids can't it is okay by the way this is, you, you are the expert in your kid but mm -hmm. it is okay in a general rule if they get access to roblox for a couple of hours here and there you just have to remind yourself that your relationship with your kid is the most important because you know that you can't control everything that happens, especially in the school. I mean, you really, really cannot. So what you can control is your relationship with your kid because kids and people, we are all resilient. And if they're able to talk to you about what they're seeing and what they're hearing and what they're feeling, that's what's most important versus you controlling everything. Because we think we want a lot of control, but in reality, we actually don't want that much control. It's actually much freeing mm -hmm. if you try to let go of all the control you have because you're probably... There's probably something internally that you can't control. And so you're mm. so fixated on the outside world. And this is That's not for everyone. That's deep. I get it. And also, you know, you, we, we can't control other people. We, and sometimes the more helicopter parent-ish we become, the more our kids get sneaky and figure ways out. Whereas it's personally, I think it's really powerful to help your kids make those decisions for themselves. Like, and listen, I know their brains aren't completely formed. They're not going to make the best decisions. But if we can help them know that they can trust themselves and help them make better decisions, then we have less to worry about. Exactly. Speaking of which, let's talk about public accounts. Is a I, I would assume that it is safer for kids to have private accounts versus public accounts. Is that true? Yes, as general, unless your kid is like, doing Nobel Peace Prize type thing and they're like impacting many other kids and you're running the account for them, then mm -hmm. it's a different thing. But if they're just posting online, then no. Okay. And this has come up a lot in my Marketing Impact Academy community. We have a lot of families who are family bloggers or they have a kid's TikTok that just took off. Maybe it's a YouTube channel, TikTok, Instagram, and it's kind of either centered around the family or it's even centered around one of the kids, really young kid, because maybe they took off because they posted a cute reel and then everyone just wanted to see more reels of this kid. And now the parents are monetizing, right? And and now the kid is making, they're, they're four years old and don't even realize that they're, <laughs> they're like feeding the family and the child has become content. And now they're you know, it feels innocent. Like it's just this really adorable kid who's got this really cute way of being and everybody loves them and everybody and they just getting a huge number of followers. And I've heard these stories. I don't know if you are following this, like uh, this one child on, on TikTok, just adorable, cute little girl. And there's all these stories about these accounts being uh, target of pedophiles where pedophiles are watching them taking certain screenshots they're like when it's like bathtub time or them running around their own, like those are the videos that get the most views and the most saves and the most shares and you know it's it's crazy because there's the lure the allure and the draw of being able to monetize social media but the child hasn't consented to it right number one and I don't know that parents recognize or could have even anticipated how their children's content could be used in such nefarious ways. What do you know? Very nuanced topic. 
I know some people either go to one extreme with the topic, but I like to Mm. stay quite nuanced with it because I believe it's important to. And I would say that if you have a family account and you're posting your family online, I would always think three times before I post any type of video about the kid online. So like you said, there are certain things you just never want to post. So if it's swimming or a bathtub or they might be eating food or it's uh Yeah, eating the, food. Like who yeah. would have even thought? You would not you would never think that. Or like say it's their first day because it's like back to school right right now. And so it might be their first day of school and you're posting their picture, not just their picture, but also their grade and where they go to school and their teacher and all of those school uniform and they can figure it out. Exactly. Also, if you're vlogging or you're posting things on social media, people can figure out where you live based off of your surroundings. Maybe have a sign. Some people even had people figure out where they lived and they never showed the outside of their house. They just showed a kitchen or maybe they'd be like, oh, I'm in the same apartment building as you because I know the structure of how everything's work. So, I mean... The internet is the internet. So you have to decide what's the greater good. And I'm not the, I'm not team never, ever post your kids online. Otherwise, you're a terrible parent. I'm not in that camp. Mm-hmm. But I am the camp of whatever you post online. Think about it and think, is the, can this come back to bite us later mm-hmm. on? Yeah. It's one of those things you just, you know, when your brain doesn't go there, it's hard to imagine that other people's do. But there's some pretty sick puppies out there in the world. Very, very sick. Is there anything in particular we can do that safe? Like, I don't want to freak people out, but I also want to give them a healthy dose of reality and mm-hmm. and also to help them to protect themselves. Because, you know, we're all online and all of our information is online. It really and is. like, you know, people will say like, oh, I don't want to go on TikTok or I don't want to go. I don't want to go on TikTok because they know everything about us. I'm like, the internet knows everything about you already. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so does every other. Am, am I right? Like Instagram yeah. knows just as much about us as as TikTok. Yeah. And TikTok is real. People who don't want to be on TikTok, unless you're like working for the government or something, TikTok is fine. You're you're okay. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So is there anything in particular that parents can do that allows them to basically be able to be notified when settings have changed or uh, do parent controls is is that how they can learn when any settings been changed on like say a laptop or a desktop or a phone it depends on what you're using what phone and what app and what device and because some of them do great awesome thank you companies (laughs) okay and then other ones they won't so you just have to figure it out either a behavior change or you believe okay they're been spending a lot more time on this app than normal. I had a setting for two hours. Now they're spending five hours. How is this happening? So those type of things. So if something is a little bit weird, you can figure it out. Or if you just periodically check, but some apps do let you know, they will give you a alert to say a setting has been changed. Do you think it's appropriate? I think I know what your answer is going to be, but parents who want to check their kids' phones and they don't want their kids to know, right? We just have to set the standard or, or the understanding that there's not a great line of communication. They're not being honest with each other. Kids being super secretive. Mom thinks something's up. Kids been lying. Mom wants to check the phone. How can she check the phone, check the history without the kid knowing that they've been checking? Depends on what you're checking. I mean, let's say they want to check their internet history. Oh, I mean, that's, that's pretty easy. I mean, you just log in, look at their history, as long as they have it like cleared it or whatever, because <laughs> a lot of right. people might clear it. Okay. Right? So, and, and you know, these kids, they're, they're 10 steps ahead. So, you know, they're yeah. clearing their history they're or clear they're, the history. they're browsing private, right? 
Yes. Yeah. They might be doing that. I would, you can have parental control apps or things on your, that's what this, this is when the internet parental control app comes in versus the one on the device. So you can have things that are monitoring what's happening in the house from an upper level versus the device level. And so sometimes you can figure out, okay, what websites are they visiting? What did they Google search? All those type of things without them knowing on the internet level. And so that's why you can just call up a company and say, hey, what do you have? What's available? What features do they have? And that's one way to do it. That's only, and I only say this, if you don't have a line of communication, because if you are trying to sneakily check your kid's phone and they don't know, and you do have some line of communication, what's going to happen is if you see something that's really bad on their phone, when you go to have a conversation with them, now you have like, you have a lot more buildup now. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Now it's like, oh, so not only do you, are we talking about this? You're going to try to correct me, but also I don't feel safe with you. Yeah. So it's very, very challenging. Very, very challenging. So it depends on the situation. If if this is like a something where you're scared for their life, you're scared about the group that they're running in, you're scared about who they're talking to, you're not sure, then I would recommend. But if you have any other way around it, I would go to that way before you go to like going without them knowing. The communication route. Yeah. Yeah. Farida, do you offer a guided program for parents to walk them through this process and setting up these kinds of safeguards and uh, parental controls? Or is there a yes. place that you would recommend? Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know. So that was not a setup question. <laughs> yeah, I, no. I just know that th- this is like a thing that parents are like, oh, I can't even figure out how to, you know, update my phone. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> help. I don't know what I'm doing. And, and so- you know, a lot of people ask, like, how can I learn to do these things? So I do, I have safekidsmovement.com. And inside of that, can I you like say that again for us, safekidsmovement.com. And in safekidsmovement.com, I have monthly like Q&A sessions and we, I, I get on there and they have a question like, oh, I don't know how to update, update my phone. Oh, it's so <laughs> By good. the way, Apple users update your phone. There's a security vulnerability that take over your phone. So those type of things I help parents through if they step by step. Sometimes I talk to like the kids. I mean, we <laughs> have like conversations or they're sitting there while I'm talking to the parent and we have like conversations about internet safety. I grew up as a gamer. So sometimes the kids are able to listen to me more because yeah. I understand their mindset. Yes. And so that's that's another great thing. Yes, yeah. yes, definitely can relate. Uh, so we talk about security, safety, privacy, go through everything. I have a very non-judgmental, open, kind space. So similar to what I say, like we should have with children. I love to have that with everyone that is a part of the Safe Kids movement and just my regular audience in general. Like non-judgmental, if you're afraid, I don't know how to update this. I don't know how to press that. I'm like, okay, let's yeah. figure it out. Let's do this together. <laughs> that's so important. And, you know, it. it's something that I... <laughs> We never knew we would have to deal with. My parents didn't have to deal with it. And it's got some pros to it as well. Like I think about Frida, I think about the kid I was as a teenager. My parents had no idea where I was or what I was up to or who I was talking to. There was no way they could find out. And I was, I really had the wool pulled over their eyes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like lucky (laughs) to be sitting here, lucky to be alive. You know, when I think about when my kids were in high school, I freaking knew everything. And also because I I was that squirrely kid, I knew the way like teenager brains work and the way that we can lie and, you know, all those things. But they didn't have a chance. I mean, they did, but not nearly (laughs) as much of a chance as I did because, you know, kids, you can see where they are. I could literally see what house my daughter was in, in what neighborhood, you know, like 
So there are some real pros to the internet, but it also comes with challenges and it comes with precautions that we all have a responsibility as parents to understand. It's not convenient and sometimes it's not pretty, but it's important. And so thank you for leading the way. Thank you for creating the safe space. Thank you for being, you know, I want to say that you're, you're like, you make it comfortable for kids to understand how important this is and to have these conversations versus, you know, some old man who's like, you know, doesn't understand that this is where we are today and feels like it's a mom against the kids. Like, you know, I I really like the approach that you have with families and starting with communication. Yes, it's us against the world. It's us against the world. (laughs) Good stuff. All right. And where can we follow you in the socials? I am at CyberFrida on everything. So CyberFrida.com, CyberFrida on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, Clubhouse, you name it. Is <laughs> Clubhouse still a thing? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been on in such a long time. But anywhere, you, anywhere you're on social media, I am there. Typically, people love, the, and I know this is difficult, so people typically love me on YouTube and Instagram. Nice. So CyberFrida okay. on YouTube and Instagram all of those links. You don't have to look them up. You don't have to write them down. They're in our show notes. Just scroll up and you can see them below this episode, whether you're watching this or listening to it on whatever podcast app, you can just swipe up on the show art and you'll see all the links there. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for enlightening us. Thank you, Shaleen. You're this welcome. is awesome. So awesome. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, just do me a favor and double check and make sure that you're subscribed or following if you're actually someone who listens on the Apple podcast. And if you've got just like 30 seconds, it would really mean the world to me if you were able to leave a five-star review and tell me specifically what it is you liked about this episode. My show is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I do also have a business podcast that comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I host that with my son, Brock. It's called Build Your Tribe. You should check it out. There's always a link in the show notes. I'm sure you know this, but on Fridays, my episodes are very casual very personal. It's usually stuff with myself and my husband. If you love that kind of stuff, I want to invite you to check out my Patreon. It's all of the Shaleen Show episodes ad-free. In addition to that, for just $5 a month, you get extra episodes. And this is this is the stuff that's like kind of too personal to put on the Shaleen Show. It, it's all personal stuff. There's like no like personal development. It's just real, raw, what's going on in our lives, stuff we can't talk about on the show. However, if you are easily offended, Patreon is not for you. That's not the place to be, all right? You can learn more about it by going to patreon.com forward slash The Shaleen Show. Any of the links that I referenced in this episode will show up in the show notes, which are just below the episode. To learn more about the services that I offer and to take advantage of some of the free resources, I invite you to check out my website, which can be found at shaleen.com. 